and welcome back to Rooted. We are kicking off our third season with a recap of Senegal from Alana, and she will be giving more details with that. But just to give you an upcoming schedule, we look to release the full season three starting on Friday, March 25th. That's right, Friday, March 25th, we will get back to releasing a weekly episode for all you Rooted fans. So without a further ado, if you do not know who I am, I am Jordan Ankrum, intern pastor here at Parkland Chapel, alongside with... Me, Alana uh, Warrenberg, and I am the ministry assistant here at Parkland Chapel, and recently added to my list of, I get well, titles is ministry coordinator. I don't actually know if that is the official, like, uh, title, but um, that's what I'm giving myself for right now until they tell me otherwise. And so this is what this episode is about. Elena went to Senegal at the end of January of this year, and she'll be recapping that. So pay attention and listen up and enjoy this episode of our Senegal recap. So Elena, how about you start us off by letting us know where Senegal is and what is so important uh, about Christianity needing to be there? Senegal is in Africa on the western coastline there. It actually encompasses another country called Gambia. So those two are very closely related, uh, but they are separate countries. Senegal is known as the gateway to Africa. And actually there in Senegal is this island called Gore Island. And it was one of the last places in Africa that whenever, uh, like, slave trade was very popular back in like i guess when america was being colonized like this was the last part of africa that those slaves would see so it really uh has a lot of rich history there and it is also uh, part of the 1040 window so for those of you that aren't familiar with this this is the latitude 10 uh, degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude uh and it represents actually the most unreached part of the world and it represents also about 50 percent of the population and i read when i read that i'm like 50 percent of the world the world's population but then you also have to consider that it goes uh it probably stops somewhere in at the atlantic ocean but it encompasses india and china and like i iran and saudi arabia and egypt so all like the uh all the very populated places of the world and so uh, in the 1040 window, you have majority of religions as Muslim, Hindus, and Buddhists. And so why it's this 1040 window, it it's also represents the most dangerous areas, uh, for especially for Christianity, uh, to, to go to. So this is why missionaries and, and people just to go visit are, are so important. So you say it represents the most dangerous area for Christians to go to and to be a Christian, uh, which is important for us to actually go and share the gospel. And so how about you kind of give a background explanation of the trip, uh, who you went with. We all know the famous Doc Martin, who's not a doctor, but uh, through BCA and through Canaan Baptist. So why don't you just give us a little recap about that? So we know Marty. Marty's visited our church. Uh, he is president of one, probably the biggest organization that we support as a church, uh, Bethlehem Christian Academy, and I'm going to call it BCA from here on out. And so Marty is actually a pastor over in Canaan Baptist uh, Church, and that is up in 
Arnold. So uh, Kanan takes uh, teams to Senegal, and Marty, being part of BCA, uh, would go over and visit, and he had the opportunity to uh, expand BCA over into Senegal. So that is our foot kind of into Senegal and uh, our contact over there. Marty actually lives in the States here in Arnold with his family, but he does travel over to Senegal a decent amount. I think he might go like twice a year and then uh, visit Zambia every once in a while. So you're going to Africa. Uh, Marty is leading the way in BCA and who we support through that as well as going there. Uh, Who asked you to go and how did that conversation come about? (laughs) So let's see. We go back. It was in November. Marty... Uh, talk to Mike and Mindy about, you know, this cynical trip. And uh, I don't think Mike was too, in- or he was interested, but he wasn't sure how it was going to work. But then one one morning, I think it was like on our day off, I was barely awake. And Mike calls me. He's like, hey, do you want to go to Senegal with me in January? And I'm like, well, this sounds fun. Like, what does this all include? And so he just kind of uh, gave me a short rundown of like why the church wants wants to might want to get involved and why they would be bringing me on along this trip and it wasn't just for you know the fun of travel and that they know I love missions but this also meant like I would be starting to take over missions in our in Parkland Chapel here and so he's like well don't don't take it just because you you want to go to Senegal or travel like this is actually like you would be taking this on leading teams and that and he's like I also need to uh know by this afternoon so basically within the span of about six hours, I had to kind of decide whether I was going to stay here at Parkland Chapel for an ex- a, like a decent amount of time, actually. And so uh, it was actually a pretty easy decision God had been confirming or just kind of like guiding me along this pathway of like, hey, like everything that I've been contemplating about over the last, you know, months leading up to November there, I was just like, well, I guess this is the this is the uh, opportunity, really, maybe not of a lifetime, but it's like it is a solid opportunity to just get involved in missions and be part of Parkland Chapel along with it. It's pretty much the opportunity of a lifetime. All right, now, so to the meat of the conversation, what people really want to know about being in Africa. So just take us through your days there, flight patterns. I know it wasn't that easy to get to Senegal flight-wise. Mike broke his ribs. He wasn't able to go, and a couple other people weren't. So I'll hand that over to you as we head into Africa. Yeah, so we left on, I guess, a Wednesday? Yeah, so we, we started off with 13 on the team, and so we were flying from St. Louis to Chicago, Chicago to Belgium, and then Belgium to Dakar, which is the capital of Senegal. And so in Chicago, because of COVID rules, we ended up having to leave three uh, teammates behind, and so we got on to the plane to Belgium just so dejected. Like, that was really hard, actually. And I'm like, I barely know these people, and I'm, I already feel like all these, like, uh, just uh, emotions. And I'm like, I'm feeling this with the team, which was, uh, you know, despite its trouble, it was a good bonding experience. Like we all sat in separate seats and whatnot, but you're just kind of like, you could kind of feel it amongst the team. We were the last ones to board. We didn't have any other troubles uh, going to Dakar there. And so whenever we got there, you know, we were picked up and um, it's just kind of like all this 
you're, you know, you're in Africa. Like my, I have to keep telling myself, I, you're in Africa, you're in Africa. And you, you know, they start loading our luggage onto these like vans and it's just like there's no there's really no trunks they're just stacked up on top and i'm like oh goodness my backpack might just like fly off but um so when we got there it was what time it was probably around 8 p.m and so we were driving in the dark and you could kind of see like kind of the african landscape it was it was dusty and everything but it's just like wow we're here we finally made it we got to take off our masks after basically 24 hours Woo! but um and then so this was actually funny so the first night that you know plans change because you're in africa and a whole different culture but we went out to eat chicken chicken never sounded so good after all the airplane food but then you walk in and to our right as we're sitting down we see this like dead carcass just hanging there and it's like it's been all skinned and everything and so it's just like you you can kind of all see the muscles and the meat and we're like what is that so we ask our translator uh this guy's name's boss and he's like it's a goat and we're like what we've never seen a goat with a long tail we originally thought it was a dog but apparently goats in other countries specifically senegal have long tails so they just had the meat hanging up right for you. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy came out a little later, and he started carving the meat up. And so there was this cat sitting there also as well. And we joked that th- that was the next animal to be hung up. So they were, they were fattening it up with the, the goat. But the, the chicken was really good. And um, so that kind of encompassed like our first day just getting there. The next two days was more restful. So we actually ended up in this really nice house, like... It was, we didn't mean to, but I think the French resort that we were going to, no, first of all, we were going to stay in the mission house. And the mission house was not anywhere near livable. It was literally still standing up by like boards. (laughs) And then, so we were going to then stay in this French resort, but it had like bed bugs or something. And our our boss was like, nope, like we don't want to house you there. So we stayed at this nice house. It had air conditioning and six bedroom, five, six bedrooms, five bath, a swimming pool, cable, uh, living room. Uh, did I mention there was air conditioning? There was air conditioning and there was a jacuzzi in my bathroom. So we accidentally stayed in a very nice house and I didn't really feel like I was on a mission trip because, you know, we weren't really roughing it. But it turned out to be a huge blessing because we could bring all our like all the guides and all the pastors back to this house and just kind of bless them in that way. And it was super cheap. It was a really nice just entry into Senegal for me. So, you know, like I said, the first couple, two, three days was just kind of resting, getting used to being in a foreign country, different foods. We did get to vi- visit the village. Um, a little bit for a couple hours, but it wasn't like, you know, we were playing with the kids, playing soccer. It was just like, hey, we're here. We want to share tea with you, and um, we'll see you later. And then uh, the Sunday that we were there, we got to go to the Brazilian Baptist Church and uh, experience uh, a church service in basically three different languages. So there was uh, Pular, French, and English going on. And, and then the rest of the day, we just kind of rested because there was uh, some political unrest over there. And so they're like, it was not safe to be out. And so it was cool over these uh, two to three days, even though we were resting, we were still seeing God work. And that was through our driver. Uh, his name is Elaj. 
And uh, he, we found out later, like, other people had been talking to him about Jesus. But we were just sitting there as a team, uh, like, day two. And we were singing Death Was Arrested. And he has a little bit, like, broken English that he can understand and, and, and even communicate with us. But he was just like, like, whoa, like, what does this mean? Like, what, like, this song is awesome. And, like, he, like, you can kind of feel the room out. And so he's been a Muslim for his entire life. I think he was about in his 50s. So Boss translated Death Was Arrested into uh, the language. And he, you could just see his eyes just get wide. And, and as he was reading the song, and he's like, and then Marty shared the gospel with him, basically saying, like, hey, we were dead, and now we're, we're free. Like, like we, we can le- live a free life. And he's like, do you want to be free? And there, Elaj just, right, like, with his eyes just so excited, he's like, yes, yes, I want to be free. He's like, like, I'm free now. And we're like, wait, what just happened? So it was really cool to see over the next week that we spent time with him he grow and just question and and talk through uh, this new faith that he has like after being Muslim for his entire life. And what was really cool that I got to experience with Alaj, his new Christian name was Baobab. And Baobab's like this big, big tree that is around for like years. Is that he understood that God can heal him. And so he had this, he had a really bad headache. And so he asked me to pray for him. And so I'm like, okay, we'll pray. And then the next day he's like, Alana, my head doesn't hurt anymore. Can you, it, or like the pain went down. Like, can you, can you pray for me again? And so each day, like I got to pray for his head. And then he was like, Alana, you're my, you're my physician now. I don't have to go to the doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, that's funny. But actually uh, Jesus is your doctor. And so anyone can actually pray for you. I just so happened to be the one that was there to pray for you. And he's like, oh, okay, I get that. <laughs> So Elaj was actually one of them. We had two drivers, and Elaj was my favorite. So you guys got to see uh, a salvation there on your trip, and I'm sure we'll get to the other ones here in a little bit too, but what does it look like uh, village-wise? Just spending your days in the in the village, how does that compare to over here in America? culture-wise and all that stuff, and what was some of the more uh, entertaining things while you were doing there as well? So the village was about 20 minutes south of where we were staying in the city of Mambor, and this city, or this village is called Gorel, and, you know, Canaan's been visiting this for 10 years, so I got to just hop onto this uh, train of them and building relationships, and so really what we did there was spend time with people that they already knew in their houses, and then play with kids and, and really just share a meal with them. That's huge. And it's important to note that in African culture, like relationship is everything for them. And so it really means a lot that us as Americans will come over, spend our money, spend our time to just go visit and talk with them. And so a lot of the time, sometime, a lot of time we we're just hanging out, like just lounging around on our phones, taking pictures, like, you know, some people brought their tablets and we were able to play like uh, an electronic version of Sorry. And sometimes it was just also talking with our translators and with our drivers. And um, it was just really just hanging out, which is so opposite of what we think a mission trip 
might be like here in America. You know, we're our culture is like we got to do this. We have a time frame. Like we have to do it in this amount of of time. We have th- so many resources. That's that's huge over here. Is that we we just have like internet everywhere, and and we can get it a hold of anyone at any time, really. And over there, just kind of like. Do, 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 do. I'm I'm going about life and there's a goat right here and I'm gonna make some rice and some oh there's a chicken like we need to feed like they're just they're just kind of existing and and doing your basic basic living uh, requirements that was a bad way to put it but they're just they're just really living life and and you know the men go out to do the work uh, in the fields and and then the women stay back and and prepare meals, and get the house kind of in order, and take care of the kids, and the kids are going off to school, and then they'll all come back, and then they're excited that we're there, and uh, we just gotta, we gotta play with them, so uh, each day that we were there, so I think we were there for like four or five days that we got to visit, we went to like the chief's house, then we went to his brother's house, we went to this uh, one girl's house who's like, uh, she, I don't know how we ended up there, but like she was known uh, with Marty and the team. And then we went back to like the chief's house for the next day. So, um, you know, we had lunch. Us, uh, the, the women of the group got to help prepare. So it's interesting because they, they don't use cutting boards. They chop everything kind of in the air, which is a little dangerous for us Americans because we're like, I can just imagine just a finger just going flying into, you know, the uh, vegetables. And it's like, well, this is unfortunate for someone's finger. But that didn't happen on the team. Everyone's hands just smelled like onions. Uh, we we would, like I said, we would hang out and we would sing songs, uh, play with the kids. They really loved drawing and and playing soccer soccer was huge soccer's huge just everywhere uh but uh what else oh we we had jump ropes and then we played keep away once and then it was just fun to tease the tease the kids it's like that's here's the ball and then you take it away so in this village they have had uh two people come to faith and one of them we got to see this time around and they've known her marty's known her since she was eight and now she's 18 and I can't say their names for uh, safety reasons because it is uh, once again I said it was like a 1040 window and and these kids could could lose their lives because of their faith and it's cool because uh, you know they're they're 14 and 18 like like they're they're the ones leading you know and and risking their lives for their faith and so you know it's in our youth and uh, the kid that was 14, he's been a Christian for about two years, and he's been just waiting to be baptized, but there was never a safe time to do it. So this time, Marty and, and our translator would, uh, he just, they're like, we're going to go get sodas. And really, they went back to our house that had the pool, right, to baptize him. And the rest of the team uh, stayed back at the village and got to just distract the chief and everything. And everyone kind of there, like the chief was asking, it's like, hey, where are they? And they were like, okay, we got to just keep asking questions, keep them distracted so that it doesn't raise suspicion. And so it was an, a pretty emotional time for the the guy, or the kid and, and the people that were there. And it's you can just see it in the pictures that 
like he he was he was crying and he's also never been in water so to get dunked underwater for the first time being in water it's probably a little scary but out of faith like this he got to do it and he was so excited and then this other girls you know they're like we've been telling her the gospel for 10 years and it's like it's time to make a decision and so you know it's great to be able to say it's like she understood it and she fully accepted Jesus and it's like it's cool because I got a I got a really bond with her on our last days at the village and she's she's an awesome awesome girl and just you know you know, I pray that she grows and she, the cool thing about what they're doing over there in Senegal is that they understand the cost of Christianity. They have counted it for however long they've been, you know, being told and they, they compare it to, you know, their Muslim faith and and they, they really understand it and they know that they're going to be persecuted by their own family because of the decision that they've made based on Jesus. And it's it's something that we will I don't think we will ever understand, maybe in our lifetime, hopefully not, in America. And, you know, there are people of all ages making this decision. And it's it's such an unreached area. And although it's pretty developed, like we didn't see any great poverty, as you might imagine, over in Africa. You know, they're, they're pretty developed, but they, they still have, there's still poverty in Senegal, in like the village that we were at. Oh, a fun story that we had. So I think it was like day four that we were there is the second day we were in the village and we got all the kids together and we got to share the gospel with them we told them the story of creation and then just shared about jesus right and so this was a like all the kids were there there was probably about 20 30 of them and so the next day we were debriefing as a team and one of our translator said he's like hey look the uh, educator of the village was uh, a little worried about like what was going on and so he's, you know, we want to keep our relationships with them. And they, they were just like, oh, they were a little leery about everything, like, because they're a Muslim community. And they're like, look, we want to, because we want to keep good relationship with them and don't want them to think that we're just there to share the gospel and leave, like, convert them and then, and then, and we, it's like, we don't care about them or anything else in their lives. He's like, look, from now on, like, let's not have any big Christian or like big gospel sharing moments let's let's try to be more individual and it wasn't like for us it wasn't like we did something wrong or like we went about it in a wrong way it was like we actually did like we had an impact on them because if they didn't have to worry about what you know Jesus or what we were sharing then we weren't we weren't necessarily doing our job so to raise suspicion like that is like yeah we 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 put our foot out and you know it's like oh like we, we, we risked something and it's cool that like, it was almost cool that they told us, Hey, don't share in big groups, make it more individual. Like, like we, ha- we got to have our big Jesus moment. And it wasn't on the, the last day that we were there. It was on day two. And so from then on, like, there's just like, okay, we, we got to go about this a different way. And so it was just, you know, continuing to build relationships and, and getting to talk to each, each person that we got to encounter, uh, and get to know them, and some of them we didn't get to share the gospel with, but it's cool to know that seeds were planted, and, you know, the chief, I know I sent out a prayer request for him, and he just, like, he didn't come to faith this time around, but you can, you could really see him softening, and, 
and we got to sing death with death was arrested again and he was clapping along which i guess he just didn't do before so continue praying for the chief and that village there uh, that they come to know jesus So it's pretty cool we got to learn about where Senegal is at in Africa, how you guys got to get over there and how that was a challenge and how God provided with that. And it's also pretty cool to compare the contrasts and similarities between cultures here in America and Africa and how fun of an adventure it was as well, getting to see salvation. So praise the Lord for that. But we also went over there to scout out these schools that are teaching Muslim kids about uh, the gospel and how all that works. So I'll hand that over to you as well, since you were over there. So kind of teach us about these schools and uh, and what Parkland Chapel is looking to do in the future with these schools. Let me just give you a quick little background of like how we ended up with these schools. Marty Network, like Marty does, and ended up finding that the Brazilian Baptists there, they already have a school, and they go from pre-K to 6, but they want to go from pre-K to 12. And so Marty's like, we can do that. So here we are now. BCA is now basically partnering with the Brazilian Baptists to have a school and have a building uh, that encompasses pre-K through 12 and also the deaf school that we've been talking about. So uh, we got to visit the future site of the school and it's basically just rubble right now it's uh there was a hole in the ground that we thought maybe a snake might come out of so that was a little sketchy but we got to pray over the land and over the week that we were there the money was sent over and it was bought while we were there so it's just cool to see it literally like just ground level and then to imagine in october um that it'll be fully built and there'll be about 360 kids running around in that little area. So the school we got to uh, visit and just say hi to each classroom. And it was, you know, it's like always you think of the little kids and they're just adorable and they're just kind of sitting at you staring. And, and we found out that they just weren't talkative because they've never seen white people or they don't see many. So to have a huge group of like 10 of us, basically white people, just like saying, Hey, like, they're just like, Wow. <laughs> so after we visited the first school with the pre-K through six, we went over to the deaf school. And so the deaf school was about, what, 10 minutes away, 10 minute drive. And um, it was a lot quieter, as you can imagine. But uh, this school houses, well, not houses, it encompasses, I think, probably pre-K, maybe kindergarten, all the way up to like senior level uh, classes, but the thing is, they group them by age. So they had kids that were there from like six to seven, all the way up to 21. And so it's important to note that this deaf school is not just an uh, educational school. It's basically giving these uh, kids a chance at life. Like they, some of them came in not even knowing that they had a name and to find out that they, you know, like this is who you are and then to be able to start communicating and, uh, and, and being able to function in the world and not just be like, I, I'm an outcast. And in Africa, like if you really, not that you can't contribute, but they just don't have the resources as much to, to be able to accommodate special needs or disabilities. So it was so cool to meet the teachers, but in 
most importantly, probably the principal. Like she, Marty jokes that she knows everything. She's probably like the Mindy of our, of the deaf school. And uh, so she, you can just tell that she loves the kids. There's about 29 of them there. And she knows like each one of their stories. And you can tell the kids really adore her as well. And so it is, it is just run really well. And for lack of better words, like of the school, it's like, the question was, do we want to support this? And I was kind of over there to kind of scope it out, you know, for lack of better word. It's like there were no bad vibes. <laughs> I don't like using that, but, uh, you know, to put in today's words, that, that, was, that was kind of the gist of it. But with the deaf school, we got to take them to the beach. And this was like the first time that some of these kids had ever seen the ocean. And so they were just so excited. They all, you know, grabbed their clothes. They all fit into our two buses, which I don't know how that was possible. And I definitely was not street legal, but we got them all there. And, you know, they're so excited. And then we had them all line up and then run into the ocean. And if you got to see my video, you got to see a little bit of their excitement and just, like, feeling water for the first time, like, you know, all over, like having waves just splash up onto you. And so the little kids were the most adorable of course but they they were running in and they're so excited and then the water hits and they're like oh burr, burr, burr. <laughs> you know they're like not expecting it to be cold which i guess you know i don't think anyone would and the water was actually pretty nice um while i was there i also built a sandcastle with the 10 uh, year old uh, little boy on our team and some of the other kids and it's interesting because like like, you know, they're deaf, so they're, there's only, like, able to, like, kind of grunt and, and just kind of, like, make noises, and so, you know, you're trying to build this sandcastle, and you, they're, like, doing this, and they're, like, yeah, over here, and you're just kind of, like, motioning to them, so it's, like, learning to communicate and see, like, how much can you communicate with someone who doesn't, who can't even hear you, and then also speaks basically a different language, like, different language, you know, like, home language, but even if they could speak, it's a different language. So it's like with, with them, it's like you can at least use some like hand motions, but it was just a time. It's like you get to sit back and it's like, yeah, this is awesome. Traveling to and from the beach, I got to ride with Hati, who is the uh, principal of the deaf school. And I'm definitely pronouncing her name wrong, so I'm sorry. But she was sharing just about some of the students' lives there. And so she talked about this one student, and she was actually their first believer in the school. And so uh, she was 15 when they first came to, when she first came to uh, Hati in the school, and she didn't know she had a name. And she also was, uh, like, anytime she would have like I'll, I'll call it like a freak out moment because she couldn't communicate what she was feeling with her parents her parents would just slap her for I guess because they just didn't know what to do and so uh, Hati was with her one day like I guess they were teaching or whatnot and she had a freak out moment and and Hati didn't slap her obviously and the student was just like wait what like like you're not gonna slap me and Hati's like no like like, you're not the issue. The, the issue is that we have a communication problem. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. And so that really just opened the door for her, like, at, you know, this school relationally and then also educationally. And so as, you know, she got to know the teachers and, and just be there, uh, she realized that 
they would t- treat her differently. I guess she had been to other French schools or something like that. And uh, she's like, you guys just are different. Like, what's, why? And so that opened the door to share the gospel. And they're like, well, Jesus, like, this is why. And so uh, I guess later on, like, like Hadi would just, you know, just keep sharing the gospel with her and, and reason with her and, and all that. And I I think I heard that her, her dad was like, for, they're like, her dad's just like, hey, whatever, however she'll be, she, I just want her to be a good girl. And her mom was a little bit more leery of it. So right now, uh, her dad has passed away, and so there is a little bit of tension in the house because this, this young girl is a believer, and her mom doesn't want her to be. So, you know, she has the safety of the school, but, you know, if you're praying for people in Senegal, pray for that, pray for that young woman, and she wants to become a missionary. And so Marty and the church there got to tell her, it's like, hey, we'll support you in doing this. You get to have this special community of people of, of deaf uh, people that you can minister to that no one else here can, and they can relate to you in such a way that they will respect you and and really un- and you'll be able to connect with them in ways that like people that can speak can. So that was awesome, just just see and and she like whenever Marty and the team got to tell her like she's just crying, you know, and just full of emotion, and so it's just like, yep, this is this is why we do missions, and it's important to note over this entire trip that there were 10 there was 10 years of work gone before us and I just so happened to be on the team that got to reap all the harvest from 10 years previous of us and you know in the 10 years they had never had a baptism and we had three this trip they they got to see one salvation and we got to see two more we basically got to double the work and and see the results and so uh, you know, missions f- for us going forward as Parkland Chapel, we made we we could not see anything for for years. It took them six years to see their first convert. So, uh, you know, it's like encouraging. It's like Marty's just so excited about all this. I'm like, like this is I went in going. I'm like, this is what I expect from a mission trip. Like I expect to come back with some numbers or something like that. But you know, the reality of it is that you may not come back with numbers, but you plant seeds. And you, you continue to just continue to invest in them and, and pour into it. And eventually, you know, God does the work and he, he does it all. We just have to be faithful to obey. And then we do get to see that blessing later on. And, you know, people that weren't even, you know, part of it, like we, what, like me, like I just got to go along for the ride and I got to be blessed as well from people, people's work that I had never seen. But because we all serve one God, we get to we get to uh, experience the blessing of, of others. All right, that's all the time we got for our season kickoff for season three of Rooted with a Senegal recap. So thank you, Atlanta, for that. Other than that, guys, our new episodes and new season three will continue March 25th. So we look to be releasing episodes for you guys then. Other than that, little ones and older folks. <laughs> and big ones. We will see you soon. We'll see ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we did it.